Hello, everyone, and welcome to another ADRA Canada Insider Podcast. I'm your host, uh, Frank Spangler, and with me today are two of our regulars around the table here. It's Kayla here again. And Michael. We are so glad that you have joined us because we have a very special episode for you today that I just know that you will enjoy. If you have been following our podcast series, you will already know our guest today. She used to be a regular voice here on the podcast. Uh, she took us to Mongolia in one episode and has been a big part of this podcast series. She's been away, and now she is back as our guest. Heather Gerbic has joined us today, and she has brought someone with her. Heather has uh, been an enthusiastic promoter of our ADRA Canada Embrace Project, and now she has experienced firsthand herself what it is like to become a mother with the birth of her son, Noah. While, while she may not have went on a trip like most of our guests, we can say that she's gone on the journey of motherhood. <laughs> yeah. And it's a journey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is for sure. <laughs> so I'm trying to think back now. When was the last time you were on the podcast or when we recorded the last one? Was it January? It was with um, Sharon and Anita. Okay. And I forget if that was January or February. Okay. Yeah. So that was the episode on Embrace. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. That's the last you heard of me was talking about mamas and babies. Right, <laughs> saving mamas and babies, yeah. We've used that several times since. <laughs> All right, well, Heather, maybe we can just start out by uh, having you tell us a little bit about uh, the experience that you've had uh, having your son, Noah. Well, um, it's been a very agile experience in the sense that the day my husband and I found out we were pregnant, this is just to recap a little bit, uh, we left for Mongolia. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we were six or seven weeks pregnant at the time. And so I got to experience traveling in the backcountry Mongolia while pregnant. And that's when morning sickness set in. And it is not just for the morning. It lasted all day for me. <laughs> Um, but then, you know, I continued working at Adra all throughout the pregnancy. And I was actually working late at the office one evening with my boss, Sharmila, when I got a call from my midwife. And uh, so I took it in the other room. And she said, Heather, I was just reviewing your ultrasound. And it looks like your placenta is sitting on your cervix. I was ignorant as to what that meant. I was like, oh, okay, neat. <laughs> sure, fine, whatever. But she went on to explain that that essentially meant that at the moment there was no exit for Noah to come out. Oh, dear. And that in many cases the placenta will move enough that they're comfortable to do the normal delivery. But if it doesn't move enough, then it'll have to be a C-section. And that was my first lesson in learning that when you go into pregnancy, you have your expectations and your ideas of how it's going to be. Mm -hmm. And any deviation from that throws you mm. so far. Um, I remember after that phone call, like I had to sit there for a little bit and try not to cry because the last thing I want to do is cry in front of my boss, mm -hmm. you know, but just 
just the possibility of a c-section was a nightmare for me and i don't know why it's a very emotional thing i know it's a very common thing but for me it was just like the worst thing that could happen mm. but um i was 18 weeks pregnant at that time and so we had until 34 weeks for it to move out of the way and so i just prayed and hoped and expected for it to move and get on with my normal delivery and happy mm -hmm. pregnancy mm -hmm. Um, long story short, after several ultrasounds and several crushed hopes, it didn't move enough. So then we had to get an OB, and I had to face doing that whole surgery. I've had surgery before, but it's not fun. It's not something anybody enjoys, and it certainly was not how I wanted to welcome my first child into mm -hmm. the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were down to the wire, so my husband and I didn't even really get to do research as to who's the best OB. And this is a very special kind of surgery because not only does it need to be a C-section, but the placenta is in the very spot where they need to do the incision. Oh. And it's a very vascular organ, which means there's a lot of blood in that organ. And a woman can bleed to death oh. if it's not removed in time or if they don't do the hysterectomy in time. And then there's all kinds of dangers for the baby as well during that surgery because they could aspirate blood, which can make them very sick. They can aspirate other fluids, which can make them very sick. And the baby can also lose a lot of blood at the same time. So the doctor has to be a very good doctor. And this is not something that happens frequently. So there aren't many doctors that have experience with this. My midwife, who had been practicing for 10 years, never saw it in her entire practice. My mom, who's been a midwife and a labor and delivery nurse for 30 years, saw it only once in her life. And uh, here we are in, in little Oshawa. What are the chances that we'll find a doctor who has experience? Well, our doctor has done it twice before. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so that was a huge, huge blessing. But essentially, they need to make the incision get the baby out as quickly as possible in under a minute, preferably, and then get that placenta out and stop the bleeding as oh. quickly as possible. Like they have minutes to get this done. And I remember going into the OR still just like fighting denial that this was happening to me, you know, <laughs> and they remove the gown from your back and they go to put the um, epidural in there and everyone's very calm. They took me to the traditional operating room rather than doing it in the regular room where they do c-sections on the same floor as labor and delivery they took me down to like the real deal or there are like 11 people in there i don't know how many doctors a couple of surgeons and spare blood on the side ready to go they almost had to do a transfusion and because i wasn't stopping bleeding so they had to do a special technique or treatment where they I won't go into details, but a balloon filled with fluid was put inside my uterus. Mm. Let's put it like that. And that like acts as a pressure against the incision to stop the bleeding. And that's how they're able to stop the bleeding. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was pretty traumatizing. And afterwards, my mom and my midwife told me that they were terrified. They didn't tell me this going in. Right. Well, that was nice of them. <laughs> <laughs> they told me afterwards that they were scared to death. And I knew that my parents were scared, and I've never seen them scared for me before. Mm. But I just thought, you know, this is their daughter going into major surgery. It's understandable. But I found out later that my mom understood all the potential complications to myself and to my son, her grandson, and her daughter. And um, there was just a lot of prayers going mm. up. And... 
God pulled us through. And like I said, he arranged for there to be a doctor here in Oshawa who's done it twice before. And uh, Noah came out screaming, best moment ever, because <laughs> it meant that his lungs were clear. He hadn't yeah. breathed in anything. And they wrapped him up and they put us cheek to cheek. Yeah. And that's how we first met. Oh. I really wanted the skin to skin where they lay him on your chest and everything. But cheek to cheek was pretty sweet because he stopped crying as soon as they oh. put him there. So that's really quickly, really recently, <laughs> my experience. Recovery was difficult and painful, but we got through it. Mm. So that's uh, the very unexpected pregnancy and delivery that I had. In talking to your your doctor afterwards, what did he share with you as to how serious it was? He alluded to things in the barest of language prior. You know, he said, there's a chance of bleeding too much. How do you feel about blood transfusions for yourself? Because some, you know, people believe that it's not right to do. How do you feel about blood transfusions for your son? So those are like red flags going up for me. But he didn't go into great detail and say that there is an actual risk to your life or a risk to Noah's life. And to be honest, I'm grateful. That's not something I needed to know prior to going into that room. Becoming a new parent is already stressful enough. And then having that thrown on top, I'm happy that they kept that. Yeah, it was was enough thinking that I might need a blood transfusion or worse yet, Noah might need a blood transfusion, a tiny brand new Mm. baby and, Mm. you know, having, or he might have to be taken to NICU, you know, these possibilities, these specters were enough. I didn't need to know about the rest. He, like I said, though, he hinted at it, but I just chose not to go down that (laughs) path. (laughs) So. And then afterwards, did he say anything more to you afterwards? He was just very pleased with how the surgery went and how I was recovering and how well and normal Noah was. Mm -hmm. So no, it came from my mom and the midwife. That's where you found out how serious it really was. Yeah. And how rare this case actually is and how grateful we were that it was okay. Mm -hmm. My mom made the mistake of telling me Like they told me within two days after the surgery. So I was still in the hospital, you know, and as a new mom, you guys have had wives who had babies. They weep. (laughs) There's a lot of emotion. I cried for a long time. Just like, is that sunk in? I can't describe what being told that felt like Mm -hmm. as I was holding my son and we were okay. Just gratitude and um, I don't know. It's a feeling I'll never forget and can never describe. Mm-hmm. Now, this is, is so rare that probably most who are listening to this podcast have never heard of this type of condition before. Is there a name for it? The generic name for it is called placenta previa, um, which just means that the placenta is in the front. But mine was also low-lying, which means it's close or on the cervix. Mm. And as the uterus expands, you know, as the baby grows, the uterus expands, and that can lift the placenta out uh-huh. if it's in the front, which mine was. And so we really had this hope and expectation that it would move enough. But I guess it was just so low-lying that even though it did move, like we had measurements of progress, it wasn't enough to uh, make room for Noah to come out. Yeah. And I asked my midwife, 
I think somewhere after the the second ultrasound, after being told this news, you know, I told her I worked at Adra Canada, and we have these mothers and babies projects around the world, and kind of described the situations that those moms and children are in. And I asked her if a mom over there had this condition, how would that go? And she said the baby wouldn't make it. She didn't say the mom wouldn't. She mm-hmm. told me that later, mm. but she did say the baby would not make it through without surgical intervention. And even then, the person, the doctor, needs to know what they are doing because you have, you know, just briefest of minutes to get it all done, or you lose the mom, as well. Wow. Yeah. Well, we're all so grateful that you had the doctor that you had. Yeah. It's just amazing. It's incredible and. Ever since becoming a mom and having Noah to look at, and we've had our own little scare with him too. They thought that his immune system wasn't functioning, but thankfully that's looking to be fine. Um, I appreciate so much more being in a country where we have the facilities, where we have the access and we have the expertise Mm -hmm. to take care of these Mm -hmm. kinds of things. And what's crazy to me is that If there had not been ultrasounds, and if the person reading the ultrasounds didn't know how to read them properly, we would not have caught this until it was too late. I could have been in labor for hours, and we wouldn't know why Noah wasn't coming out. Mm -hmm. And then hemorrhaging, and still not know why Noah's coming out, and then, you know, we bleed to death. I, I think about how that is the reality for some moms out there, and I just, I can't stand that thought. Honest to goodness. And even if it isn't that dire, like life and death situation, just to have any complications, it's like Michael said, as a new parent, it's scary. (laughs) Prior to getting pregnant, prior to getting married, I just took it for granted or just assumed that it's all going to be fine. You know, this is the 21st century. We all know what we're doing. How many complications can there be? And if there are complications, we know what to do about it. It's fine. (laughs) But, um, Even being in the 21st century, in a country like Canada, I went through a major complication that could have been disastrous. Mm -hmm. So it's still a very real problem, or can be a very real problem that needs to be addressed. And every mother and child deserves to have the peace of mind of knowing that they'll be taken care of. Every mom needs to know that her baby's going to be okay. Yeah. And... um, You know, husbands need to know their wives are going to be okay. (laughs) It's so much a part of the fabric of our daily life, our moms and our children, our families. We kind of somehow overlook it a little bit, just how important they are until these moments come up Mm -hmm. and uh, maybe take them for granted and even overlook them as we look to bigger problems that are out there. There are bigger problems, and those bigger problems are impacting our families, of course, but... I love the work that Adra is doing because we're putting that focus and that attention and pouring resources into the nucleus of our existence, let's say, our children, our families, our mothers. Because I know we say the project is saving mamas and babies, but it's really about the whole family, Mm -hmm. the fathers, the grandparents, like everyone gets affected when the mother and the child are affected. And so for me, this our projects doing this work are just so much more meaningful and personal now, mm. having been there myself in a way. Yeah. yeah. When we first started doing Embrace, it didn't clue into me that part of the work of the of the project was to encourage mothers to go into the local clinic 
for prenatal exams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it didn't even occur to me that uh, that would be an issue or a problem if you had a clinic close by that you would go in. But apparently, because of the remoteness of uh, where the Embrace Project is working and uh, how these people have not even maybe ever seen a doctor in their life before, wouldn't think the need of going in and and having prenatal exams. Their grandmother was just fine. Their mother was just fine without going in. Why should she go in? Mm -hmm. But as we look at the statistics, we see how important it is. Mm -hmm. When complications are coming down the pike, it is something that they can catch early Mm -hmm. and uh, they can send the mother with uh, possible complications into a hospital for further evaluation and catch the problem in time. And And make sure there's transportation available Mm. when she does go into labor or intervene before labor, like in my case. We had to do the C-section two weeks before the due date because the risk was too high if I went into labor. So That would have complicated it even further. Yeah, then it would have to have been an emergency C-section, and then that made the doctor nervous because he wants to have better control right. of the situation, whereas an emergency, you have to act fast. And Yes, absolutely. Having access, but also having the understanding that you need to go is so important and can save lives. These little things, <laughs> they really do save lives. And because of the remoteness of these villages... And the lack of transportation, I think that it is so wonderful that the Embrace Project has set up systems where mothers who go into labor can now count on a reliable mode of transportation that is ready to go whenever it is needed. The women no longer need to walk themselves into the birthing clinic or be carried on a stretcher by four men on a slippery slope in the middle of the night you know. Uh, Now they can be quickly transported to the local birthing clinic uh, and if there are complications into the closest major hospital for specialized care. Now in Rwanda, the Embrace Project has donated ambulances and that has been a real blessing for the people that live way up on the mountainside. These ambulances have already saved many lives. But in some of the other countries where we haven't donated ambulances, what have we been doing? Michael, can you share with us the Embrace transportation strategies that have been set up in some of the remote villages in some of the other countries where we are working? In, uh, in some communities, we've been providing uh, saving schemes in communities so that the communities can save up funds, which then in turn can be used to hire a vehicle to drive a, a mother or somebody that needs to go to the hospital. And we, those have all been set up ready to go, right? The guy who's yeah. been contracted to be the guy in that village. And then we'll have a few people that we'll have, have okay. one. So if one, if one isn't available, you can go to the other one. And they have a set rate that they then charge the the community. That way, it's not just uh, frantically looking for somebody with a car and then that guy is, decides, well, since this is an emergency, I can charge more because it has to happen. Right. Mm. Um, this way, it's it's set up and the price is set and the funds are there so that when it's needed, it's it's available. I can, I can imagine what a peace of mind that brings moms and fathers. Oh, and grandmothers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every, like I said, everyone in the family. Because yeah. I I know when Michael and I, we woke up Wednesday morning, we're like, we're going to 
meet Noah today. And we got ready and we got in the car and we drove ourselves. Like we knew that this is how it was going to go. Prior to knowing the date and how it was going to go, I told Michael here, my colleague Michael, the one sitting beside me, Michael, if I go into labor at the office, you're my you're my driver. <laughs> so, so you had a designated I, driver. I did. I had a plan. Yeah. And but, I was ready to go, too. Yeah. <laughs> but, did you have a good set rate? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I That's like what that. she thinks. <laughs> I like that rate. Um, but for me, and I thought of that early on, you mm-hmm. know, and just knowing what the plan was and that it was in place and everyone was on the same page, huge peace of mind. Yeah. So I'm happy that that's something that we're providing in those villages because now those families can have the peace of mind of knowing, okay, this is the plan. This is what we do. Mm-hmm. And they won't get extorted for it, mm-hmm. yeah. which is also yeah. really, really great. Because sometimes it just isn't that much money in that household right yeah and yeah i I just i couldn't imagine my wife going into labor and then being like wait how am i supposed to get yeah then the scramble begins yeah not good timing yeah it just i appreciate that in canada like even if my car wouldn't start i can just call an ambulance and it'll be there in five ten minutes depending Mm -hmm. on where i am Mm -hmm. and they will take me direct to the hospital whereas in some places yeah you oh you're in labor okay let's start walking yeah or let's just stay here and cross our fingers and hope that everything goes the way it should. Yeah. Or hop on the back of the motorbike. We have a bumpy ride ahead of us. <laughs> like it's this crazy option. And in uh-huh. the Philippines, we, we do work, embrace in the Philippines. What's the options in some of those villages? Getting on a boat. On a boat. On a yeah. boat. And, and all kinds of weather. And even on a nice day, the waves are still coming up over the side. So, and these aren't boats like ferries that you take here in Canada, right? They're, no, they're this, like... is, this is like a small canoe basically yeah. with uh with a small little motor at the back and off you go and depending on where you are the the ride could be up to an hour or more on a, on a boat just to get to the nearest town where then you can catch a car or something to go to the to health center so i never was in labor i didn't get mm. to experience that <laughs> but just thinking about being in labor and having to face that kind of trek to get anywhere I can imagine that being extremely discouraging. You're like, I'll take my chances at home, which, as we know, is very dangerous to do mm-hmm. because if you haven't been getting those prenatal checkups, if you don't actually know what's going on inside, there could be complications. And even if there aren't, the potential for infection afterwards for you or for the baby are very high. Right. So it's um, even in the 21st century, childbirth and childbearing is still a very dangerous business. Mm. Yeah. And um, it's an honor to be part of making it into a beautiful experience for others like we get to have here in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our partner in the Philippines has said that uh, ADRA believes that no mother should have to die while giving life. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of become our, our motto here at yeah. ADRA Canada through the uh, work that we're doing with women who are about to deliver. We feel like we need to do everything that we can to make sure that they have a, a safe delivery. And then even after the delivery, we go into nutrition for the child, right? Mm -hmm. Because the first, what is it, 1,000 days? Is that what it is? From conception. The first 1,000 days from conception. So that means um, nutrition and hygiene. I got to tell you, I have become such a fanatic 
<laughs> for nutrition. Thankfully for me, breastfeeding has been working out just fine. So we're doing that exclusively. But I just watch so carefully most of the time, unless Adri makes cookies. <laughs> Michael's <laughs> wife makes the best cookies. Um, but I, I just watch like a maniac what I eat. Mm-hmm. And I choose things that I know are going to be the best nutrition for Noah, mm-hmm. especially for his immune system situation that's going on. And I'm so grateful that I know what those things are to eat, that I have them available uh, right at my fingertips here in Canada. And it's, again, so fantastic to me that our project is trying to make that possible for mothers and grandparents and fathers uh, in the countries where we work so that they understand the best foods to eat while you're pregnant, before you get pregnant, and then while you're breastfeeding, the importance of breastfeeding itself and how it's so beneficial for the mom and for the baby and hygiene, of course. Um, confession, I was never like a crazy hand washer. Okay. Mm -hmm. I would wash after going to the washroom, wash before eating, before cooking. My husband, every time he turns around, he's washing his hands. (laughs) He has hand sanitizer in the car. After he pumps gas, he has to sanitize his hands. We get in the car after church, he has to sanitize his (laughs) hands. And I used to make fun of him. (laughs) But since Noah being born, and probably it's worse because of the scare with his immune system, I wash my hands like crazy now. And, um... (laughs) And we make sure that Noah stays clean, like he gets regular baths, and we check him up and wipe him down on a daily basis, like several times a day. So hygiene is very important as well for protecting the child, and we're teaching those things as well in this project. So mm-hmm. all these basic things that we, I don't, I don't know if take for granted is the word, but we just assume, let's say, you're going to do that, you understand to do that. Mm-hmm. But in some places... <laughs> They either don't have the resources available or they don't have the knowledge of just how important it is. And just a little bit of education goes a long ways and it literally does save lives. And to me, that something so simple can save lives is really exciting. That heartache can be spared from simple interventions Mm -hmm. is incredible. My wife uh, was also facing complications. And if she had have been in the village with no... Mm. Uh, prenatal checks. I think that she probably would have also possibly died. Yeah. And to think of losing someone over something that's so natural, you know, and uh, it's, it's very difficult. It's, it's not supposed something to that happen. is preventable. Yeah. 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 That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. Preventable. But one interesting thing that happened as a result of having to do a C section was that we were able to choose a date and. It just so happened that it worked out that we could choose 10, 10, 10 hey. <laughs> as uh, the birth of my daughter. And so that's that's kind of fun. That's neat because Noah's is 4-4. Four, 4-4. Four. Four, four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. April 4th. Oh, yeah, I share birthday with them. Yep. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> neat. I'll think of you every time. Huh? <laughs> now, part of the Embrace program is also a rigorous growth monitoring program for the babies and small children. Have you started the growth monitoring as well? Tell us. uh, Oh, uh, I look forward every time to going to the pediatrician to get his measurements and finding out um, where on his trajectory he is, you know, because they say they have the the percentiles, which prior to having Noah, that was a mystery to me. Moms would say, oh, he's in the 75th percentile. Like, okay, (laughs) I don't know what that means. I know what it means now. (laughs) Just means that of their age group, this is where they are. Anyway, I guess it's intuitive, but I never stop to think about it. For me, it's so fun to go and he doesn't 
really enjoy it very much just like in the pictures from <laughs> yeah. the project i yeah. would see those and wonder what's what's with the kid like yeah. how bad can it be <laughs> but it's not necessarily that it's bad they just don't like it yeah. but i love it in seeing you know oh he's gained this many pounds since last month and being blown away by his progress yeah. he's grown this many inches or whatever he's in the 93rd percentile oh, for right. height right. But you only, sound like such a mom right <laughs> <laughs> i'm one of those now <laughs> and uh 40 something percentile for weight so he's kind of a string bean i guess but the pediatrician says when you look at his trajectory you know over time the progress he's making he's following a, a general line which means he's not dropping down mm-hmm. dramatically or he's mm-hmm. not doing these crazy unexpected jumps and that just means that he's healthy and developing normally and if there were any of those spikes up or down, that would be a flag to the pediatrician to start investigating and finding out what's going on. So it's really important to do those because then you can catch problems early on and see what's the situation, what's going on, what can we do for this child. Yeah. Mm. And if when you begin, you learn that they aren't where they should be, then you can start talking about what you can do to bring them up to where they should be. Weight-wise or height-wise. I think it's so wonderful that we're bringing some of that into our program and having mothers who have never even thought of doing that. And uh, being surprised. I remember the stories. Being surprised to learn that their child was underweight and that that's why they were quiet or not very active or all these things that they thought were kind of normal. They learned, no, that's not normal. They need to be more active, more loud, more engaged and putting on more weight. And here's what you can do to make that happen. And then I remember reading about their happiness when they saw the transformation in their child becoming more like a kid. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, that's that's exactly the, the people that we interview are so thankful. Almost everyone that I talk to, they're so thankful their babies are now gaining weight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, uh, they're able to see that as they go in for growth monitoring. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. It's a happy day when we next this upcoming Wednesday, we're going to sit kids for Noah. And I know that they're going to weigh him and measure him. Yeah. And I have an app where I put in the data and it gives me the graph of his. I can show you after if you like. <laughs> but um, it's it's fun and it's it's exciting, especially because I know he is where he needs to be. And it just makes me proud and happy to see that mm-hmm. trend continuing. I'm just imagining you have them like framed on your wall or something. It's not quite that bad. <laughs> but I do take screenshots and share it with the family. Look where Noah is. Um, be proud, be proud. But in the beginning, you know, you're a little bit, I was a little bit nervous. Like, is he gaining enough weight fast enough? Like they would say, oh, he's nine pounds. He was seven pounds when he was born and he lost weight in the hospital, mm-hmm. which is normal. Yeah, but he normal. was he was on the threshold of being kept a little longer because of his weight loss. So I was like kind of on pins and needles and sensitive about his weight. And so at his first uh, growth monitoring checkup, they said, oh, he's nine pounds or something like that. I'm like, is that enough? Like, yeah. is that okay? They're like, that's phenomenal. I'm like, yay, <laughs> party. <laughs> but um, moms are funny, I guess. I'm sure dads are too. It's just, it makes you so happy to know that the kids are okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're healthy. Yeah, I have to admit, I did brag about my girls whenever they hit like the 90th percentile right? or something. I'm like, oh, yeah, check her out. She's, uh-huh. she's the best. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> the best grower you ever did see. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that other 7%, they don't matter. <laughs> they were cheating. Or yeah. Something. Which brings me to something that has really come home to me as well since becoming a mom. 
And that is, no matter where we are, whether we're in Canada or the Philippines or Rwanda or Myanmar or, you know, backwoods Mongolia, we all essentially want the same thing. Mm -hmm. We want our families to be happy and healthy, secure and have opportunities. And that ADRA is a part of that, that basic thing that we all want is really fantastic. Mm -hmm. Something to be very very proud of and very excited about and something to get on board with mm -hmm. and to support if you're listening yeah. please <laughs> <laughs> go to adra.ca yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well it's wonderful to see you again some might think that you're already back to work since you're now on the podcast but uh, you're on mat leave for it's been five months now uh, just about and I'll, it'll be a year total for mat leave okay. yeah so oh, next Canada. next March, I love Canada. <laughs> I don't I don't know if all of you know, but I'm actually American. So if I were in the states, I'd already be back to work a long time ago. And yeah. I'm so glad to be in Canada, where I get a year instead of six weeks. Yeah, that's great. Well, we look forward to the day when you come back and can be another regular here on our podcast. And but we're thankful that you're having such a wonderful time with uh, your new baby. Okay, Hi, for, for those of you who are listening and can't see what we're seeing, uh, Noah has just woken up and has joined us here around the table. He looks completely refreshed. <laughs> Good. Do you have a few things that you'd like to share, Noah? Not today. <laughs> <laughs> Give him a few minutes. Yeah, he yeah. might. He'll, he'll probably have something to say. He usually starts chattering, but maybe not this time because <laughs> things are so different. Hey, baby. Hey, darling. Where are you? Oh, you want to you wanna stand? There we go. <laughs> now you're talking. Mm. Oh, he's going for the mic. <laughs> he's going for the mic. <laughs> if you hear that, those are Noah fingers on the microphone. <laughs> So he's five years. Five, five years. Wow. Let's try that again. <laughs> Aging him quickly. He's almost five months. Yeah. And he is tall. Isn't he? Yeah. I feel like he's tall. Yeah, he's so tall. His daddy's tall. Yeah. Michael's 6'2. I'm amazingly 5'5, five five, so I hope he takes that <laughs> Hey, baby, you want to say something? No, no. He wants to eat it. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Like any good self-respecting four-month-old mm -hmm. needs to go in the mouth. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming in, Heather and Noah. We just love to hear your story. And I think it speaks a lot about how important the programs are that uh, ADRA is running around the world, especially the ones for Embrace and uh, the ones that are out there saving mamas and babies. Mm -hmm. Amen. <laughs> and Noah agrees. Noah has some things to say. I think he's saying goodbye, actually. Yeah, he's sad to say bye. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Heather and Noah. Bye.